Hey there, my name is Derek Duvall and I'm the lead pastor of Awakened City Church in Harriman, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City. And I want to thank you for checking us out. Awakened City exists to connect people from all walks of life with the hope that's found in Jesus. And we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more information, you can visit awakenslc.com. If you would, grab your Bibles and open up to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. And uh, we've been in the book of Psalms all summer, uh, calling it Summer in the Psalms. And uh, we've been going through, Derek's been uh, doing a great job leading us through the book of Psalms. And today we're going to be looking at one of the shortest Psalms. So you guys hang with me, okay? It's one of the shortest Psalms in the Bible. It's not the shortest, but it's one of the shortest Psalms in Scripture. Uh, uh, but before we actually read our passage, Psalm 100, uh, I want to ask you guys a question. You don't have to answer this out loud, just something for you to think about real quick, okay? And the question is this, what do you get excited about? And I don't mean, just mean like, oh yeah, that's cool, all right. I mean like, what do you really, really, really get excited about, right? Like what, what just like gets your blood pumping and like you just want to like stand up and shout and like you're just really excited about it, right? So think about that. What, what is it that you really get excited about? And a second part of that question is why, why do you get excited about it? What is it about that thing that makes you so excited? And I'm asking uh, those questions because uh, I believe that those questions are, are very important uh, to help us understand um, um, both what is really going on in our hearts, but also like, like why, why is it that our hearts get excited about certain things and not other things. And now, before I get into all that I'm going to talk about, uh, I want to make sure that you understand, don't, I hope nobody goes away from here thinking that I'm trying to say that everything you get excited about is bad, okay? Just hear me now, that's not what I'm saying. More than likely, everything that you get excited about is neither good nor bad. It's just things. Most of the things that we get excited about, it's just, it's just a thing in our lives. Uh, but this is what we have to be careful about. If we're not really careful about the things that we get excited about, then the things that we celebrate, the things that we praise, have the tendency to control our lives. And when that happens, that's when those things go from being neutral to being not good things in our lives because they are taking God's rightful place. And so we're going to be looking at Psalm 100 today again, uh, just to see what God has to say about celebrating and praising. And it's really this idea of, okay, it's time to get excited. Okay, so Psalm 100, uh, let's read that together. Uh, just so you know, uh, if, you texted, if you texted in about the lyrics in that same uh, text that you got back, uh, there's a, a portion that has the passage for today. So if you don't have a Bible or don't have a Bible app, that's cool. You can uh, look at it on there. But Psm 100, I'm reading out of what's called the English Standard Version. Um, and so if your version sounds a little bit different, that's okay. It probably says the same thing, just in a little bit different wording. But here we go, Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Now, anytime you look at a passage of scripture, it's always important to understand the context, right? Like who wrote it? When was it written? What was going on? And I've got some really exciting stuff about the context of this psalm. We have no idea. <laughs> That's the context of the song. We don't know who, who wrote it. We don't know the circumstances of the writing. It's simply titled a psalm for thanksgiving or giving thanks. Uh, and it's the only psalm that's titled like that, a psalm for giving thanks. Uh, so since we don't really have a lot of context, we're just going to dig in. Uh, pretty much we're going to look at this just kind of verse by verse, kind of seeing what it says. What is it that the Lord is saying to us about praise and thanksgiving? So uh, the, the first idea that I want us to, to come away with is this, is that we are made with a purpose to praise God. You can see that in verse 1. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. This is a command from God, actually, that all of the earth, that's including you and me, are to praise God. And we're given plenty of commands in Scripture, but one of the most repeated ones is to praise or give thanks to God or something along those lines, something that means something like that. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. It says uh, in there uh, to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Uh, and that's this idea of, of just making any noise that is joyful, saying, wow, God, you're awesome. Thank you so much, right? And this, this statement points to the idea that God is worthy of our effort to show excitement about him. It also, just kind of a little side note here, it also takes away a bunch of people's excuse that, oh, I can't really sing, so I don't really sing when we gather as the church. Um, just know, honestly, uh, if you can't sing, <laughs> honestly, if you can't sing, that actually makes what you're doing even more an act of praise. Because the whole idea here is that we stop focusing on ourselves and we take some time and put some effort into instead celebrating God because he is worth it. Because he has done great thing. So that's the idea there in verse 1. It's just that we are made with a purpose to praise God. Then if you move on to verses 2 and 3, it's, it's this idea that we are made for God and we are made by God. And that's really important. And the, one of the big things to know in that is this, that you, you were made on purpose and for a purpose. You are not here by mistake. You're not here today by mistake, but also you're not here on this earth by mistake. You were made on purpose and with purpose. God is all-knowing and all-powerful. There is no chance that you are here by mistake. And the number one reason that any of us are here is that we fulfill whatever purpose God has for our lives. So you know, you know that statement that uh, your parents possibly told you when you were growing up of you can be anything that you want to be? Um, I, I, I don't mean to step on toes here, but that's, that's not true. I'm sorry. And if you've been, if you've been telling your kids that, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to, to, to hurt your feelings. Uh, but the truth is you can't be anything that you want to be. Let me, let me prove it to you. It doesn't matter how bad that I might want it, there is no chance of me being an NBA all-star. 
I just don't have the physical abilities to make that happen, right? There is no chance that that can happen. So I can't be anything I just want to be. But here is something that is true is that you can be everything that God created you to be. Everything. God has given you every talent, every ability, everything that you need to be what he has purposed you to be. And this is the great thing is that our fulfillment, the greatest joy that we can have in life is fulfilling the purpose that God has for us. So this psalm encourages us to focus on the basics of life, to serve the Lord with gladness. You see that in, in uh, verse 2, he says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Uh, and that's easier said than done most of the time, though. Uh, you know, let's be honest. Uh, especially the with gladness part, right? Uh, there's often times that we might serve the Lord with grumbling. Uh, but is, this is a command for us to serve the Lord with gladness. Um, because our purpose isn't just to do things for God. Right, right. He didn't just make a bunch of robots to do things for him because he actually has no need of us. He is complete in and of himself. The, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they need nothing outside of themselves. But they have a love for us, and therefore he, he created us with purpose and to be fulfilled by serving him. And that's why he gives us purpose in that. When we don't live in relationship with him, though, it makes it really difficult to live and serve him with gladness. And when we don't do that, when we're not living in a relationship with him, and therefore, even if we're serving him, we're serving him with grumbling and complaining, then we're, we're doing two things. We're actually taking praise away from God, because that is one of the ways we can praise him, is by serving him with gladness. And so we're taking some praise away from God, but also we're missing out on the fullness of life that can be found in serving him with gladness. And so I, I said earlier uh, that, that part of, of verses 2 and 3 talk about that, that not only are we made for God, but we're actually made by God. And I think that verse 3 might be one of the most important verses in the psalm. Let me read it again. Know, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so I, I think that, uh, that this is so important because we tend to forget the, this lesson quite a bit. Uh, this verse says that, that he is God and that he created us. And unfortunately, we, we oftentimes have this mindset that God is whoever we want him to be, not who he says that he is. So we, we, want, we want him to be whatever we want him to be. And we also have this mindset oftentimes that he exists for us. But that's not true, it's actually the opposite. No, he is God, he is who he says that he is. He made us and he gets to determine our purpose. We exist for him. And some people I know balk at the idea that, that he gets to determine what we should and shouldn't do. But here's the really crazy part. Is that this all-powerful, all-knowing God that created everything, created the entire universe, and have you ever thought about that literally at the beginning of all things, there was just God. And out of nothing, he said, he just spoke and said, be. And everything, the entire universe came into being simply because he spoke. So that God, that all-powerful, all-knowing God that created everything, including you, he did so with love. 
He loves you. He wants what's best for you. And the reason that he gives us direction for our lives, the reason he tries to guide you in your purpose isn't so that he can be this like needy manager and like trying to control all of our lives in every aspect. He, again, he doesn't need us. He's so far above and beyond uh, needing us. But instead, he gives us direction and guidance so that we might have an abundant life full of joy and peace. And that life is only found in living out the purpose that he created you for. So serve the Lord with gladness. Uh, then if you move on and look at verse 4 uh, with me, it's, it it's brings this idea that our praise of God should be great. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And verse 4, it helps us see just how much time and effort we should put into praising God. And if you just read it like I did just now, if you just read straight through it, uh, you're going to be done like really fast because it's a short verse, right? Uh, and, and you'd be ready to move on because it seems to just say the same thing. You know, tell God thanks, right? Like, let's just pr praise him, tell God thanks. All right, now let's move on to the next thing. Uh, but I'd like to take just a minute, and I want to help us see that there is so much more in this verse than when we first read it, okay? If you don't know this, the entire Bible was not originally written in English. I don't know if you, if you knew that. Uh, if you didn't, that's okay. Now you do. Uh, the entire Bible was not originally written in English. Every verse in the Bible that we read was originally written in either Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. And that means that sometimes... As we translate it into English, though it's accurate, uh, there's, there's just some meaning that is lost in translation, right? Um, it's just because there's not the same words, and it, it's hard to make it say the exact same thing. Um, and so uh, it's, it's really fun sometimes to, to look into the original language that a verse was written in and see, okay, what would have really been meant when they said this word. Uh, and, and I think verse 4 is a great example of that. I want to just kind of really quickly run through a couple of things to help you see more of what the, the author is trying to get, uh, trying to tell us here. So if you look at verse 4, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. All right. So this is one of what we call seven Hebrew words that we typically translate as praise or thanks or something along those lines, right? And there's, there's actually seven Hebrew words that we just translate as to mean the same thing. But they mean so many different things. This one in particular is the Hebrew word tauda. Everybody say tauda. Okay, I'm going to try that one more time. Everybody say tauda. All right, tauda. So this is the Hebrew word, and it, it's a musical term. And so it's saying, okay, with, with music behind it, with, with, uh, with song or something along those lines, it's, it's meaning uh, to, to sh have a sacrifice of praise. So there's some, some type of sacrifice involved and doing it, it in a way to show thankfulness. So it's, it's basically this. It's, it's telling us to really take time to thank God for his goodness to us, to sacrifice our time and our energy, to really pour over all the things that he has done, the amazing things that he has done for us, and saying, God, I want to thank you for this, and this, and this, and this, and you know, when you write a song, you take the time to write out and have intention behind the lyrics, and that's kind of the idea here, is this, this musical term saying, take the time and the effort to show God our gratitude. And then it goes on, it says, enter his courts with praise. It's another one of those Hebrew words of praise, right? And we, we want to try to make it basically say the same thing. But this one's different. This one is the Hebrew word tehillah. Everybody say tehillah. 
not tequila, it's tequila. You got it? Uh, but actually, strangely enough, tequila can help you remember what it means. Uh, let me explain that. Because tequila means enthusiastic praise in response to God. Think like just a wild celebration over something. You know how some people get when they drink too much tequila? And they get a little wild, right? That's, the, that's actually the idea here. Not drunk. Don't go get drunk. Uh, but the idea here is that you just go absolutely nuts celebrating God. Because what he has done is so amazing. I don't know about here. Uh, if, if you don't know me, by the way, my name's Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> and if we haven't met, I, we, my family and I just moved here from the south. And I mean like the deep south, south Alabama, Right? And I don't know how it is here yet because I haven't experienced it, uh, but in the South, college football is a really, really big deal. Everybody from the South, can you, can you uh, yeah, a little, little witness there. College football is a really, 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 really big deal. And so this, all, this uh, word, Tehillah, I, I, uh, I kind of get my mind wrapped around it by this, is that when you're in that moment and there, there's this game happening and it's like a really critical moment, right? Like it's win or lose time. And your team just so happens to do what they need to do to pull it out and they win the game and everybody just goes absolutely nuts celebrating and cheering, right? That's the idea that the writer is saying here. Go nuts celebrating God. That's how great of things he has done. Now, how often do we enthusiastically, wildly celebrate God like that? Unfortunately, probably not very often, but that's what we're called to here. Then it says, give thanks to him. And this is the Hebrew word, yada. Everybody say, yada. Yada. Uh, so, and this, this word is, uh, it's, it's the idea of praising him, yes, but actually praising him with lifted hands. And we do this naturally. Have you, ever, have you ever seen something happen or seen something that is just so beautiful or so amazing or somebody gave you a gift or, or did something for you and you're just like, just naturally, you just throw your hands out and you're like, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. That's what this word is telling us to do is that we celebrate and praise God with lifted hands and going, wow, you are awesome and amazing and you have done amazing things for me. So praising him with lifted hands. And then it, lastly, it says, bless his name. And this is the Hebrew word, Barak. Everybody say Barak. Yes, and yes, it is like uh, our former president, Barack Obama. It is the Hebrew word Barack, and it means to adore or bless or praise, but specifically by kneeling. And it's a show of honor and respect, saying, God, you are so much more than me, and I don't deserve what you have done, and so I am bowing in reverence and humility before you, showing you honor and praise for all that you have done. And so I know that's a lot of information. You don't have to remember all of that because um, I could talk a whole lot more and there's even more of the Hebrew words of praise that we could talk about. But this is what I want us to understand is that the writer took the time to tell us how we should take more time, a lot more time praising God. And this should take on a lot of different forms because he has done so many amazing things for us. And ultimately, our lives should consist of lots of time and effort showing God how awesome we think he is. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is whether we tend to celebrate God or the things that he created more. And if we're honest, most of the time we probably celebrate the created things 
more than we celebrate the creator. And then lastly, verse five, we, we see this idea that, that our praise, our praise of God is actually made possible by God. Um, and, and we've been given a lot of instruction in this short psalm in verses one through four, uh, everything from that, that we should be singing and bowing and shouting and lifting hands and really that our entire lives should be lived in service to God as a form of praise. But if you're like me, uh, I hope not many of you are, but if you're like me, uh, anytime someone tells me that I should do something, uh, then there's one question that comes to mind automatically. Anybody know what question that is? Why? Somebody's with me on that. Yes. Uh, automatically, somebody tells me, hey, you should go do that. I'm like, why? What, what's the point? Like, what, why should I go and do that? So let me read verse 5 to you one more time so we can ver- focus our last few minutes. I promise I'm almost done. We're going to focus our last few minutes on why we should praise God. It says this. Verses one through four are all about what we should do. Verse five says for or because the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So I already mentioned earlier that God is good and he loves you, uh, but I want to try to make sure uh, that we come away with with seeing maybe a little bit uh, deeper just how much he loves you and just how good he is. Uh, So I, I talked earlier about that God just spoke and everything that exists came into being, right? Uh, Well, in that creation, God showed his power and that he can create all things with just his voice. And when he made all of this creation, he made it perfect. There was no sickness. There was no death. There was no suffering. It was so good. In fact, it was so good that he looked at it and he said, man, that's good. Go back and read Genesis 1, right? He goes, that is good. And everything was amazing and great, and God showed his power in creating all of that. But then comes sin. When mankind saw all that God had made, heard the instructions that God had given, given and said, "Ah, I don't like what you have to say. I don't like what, uh, I don't think that what you say I should do is really what's best for me, so I'm going to go and do my own thing. And we call this sin when we rebelled against God. And because of this, God is this all-powerful, just, holy God, right? And when his creation rebelled against him, that gave him the right, if he wanted to, to just completely wipe us out to be done with us just because he's so far above us it'd be like us squashing an ant and like we just move right on right but so that so that's what should have happened when mankind rebelled against God and sin but because he's not only a just and holy God but he is also a loving and gracious God instead of just wiping us out He looked at us and saw that we were hopeless in our sin. That there was nothing that we could do to try to make right what we had already done wrong. And he's a just, remember I said he's a just and holy God. And he has to do something about sin. Because he's he's wanting to bring his creation back to his, his purpose for it. Bring it back to this perfection that he made in the beginning. 
But the problem is that we have sin in our lives, and so for him to do that, he's got to destroy that sin and wipe it out and get it out of the way. But he has this love for us, and so he didn't want to just wipe us out. And instead, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come and be a sacrifice, be the sacrifice for our sin. You know, we call it, we, we, we talk about him dying on the cross, and just so you know, that cross wasn't his. It wasn't his to die on. That's where we should have been. We should be on the cross. Our, what we deserve for our sin is punishment, is death. For the wages of sin, what you earn for sin is death. But God saw that we owed this debt that we couldn't afford, and so he sent Jesus to pay that debt for us. So Jesus comes, lives a perfect life, sinless, and then goes to the cross and dies for all of our sins. And so this is how God showed this love for us. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, we had not done anything to earn God's favor. We had not done anything to earn our way towards God. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the proof of God's love. And one of the greatest things to, to know is what I mentioned just a minute ago, is that he is bringing everything back, uh, restoring everything back to how he meant it to be. And he's going to bring it back to perfection. He's going to bring back this uh, lack of sin and lack of death and lack of suffering and lack of, of uh, sickness and all these things. He's bringing it back to there. But the question is, okay, why doesn't he just go ahead and do it, Right? And here's the answer to that, is that he is waiting on everyone possible to come to salvation through Christ. He's putting up with all of our junk so that more people can come to experience salvation through Jesus. And so, that all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-gracious God is worthy of our praise. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your goodness to us. And God, we want to serve you and honor you. We want to praise you in the way that you deserve. And so we ask that you would speak to us individually through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that, that you would show us what it is in our own lives that needs to happen Show us how we need to respond to you and to your word. And God, that our lives would be changed, that you would be glorified, that you would be praised in the way that you deserve. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.